0: Hey friend, Melissa Hinault here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a former multiple six-figure executive corporate burnout, feeling stuck in the life I built for myself. But using my corporate skills, I took to the internet and have built multiple six and seven-figure businesses showing others how they can build a life they love. Now on this podcast, I share stories of being an entrepreneur, a mom to my three amazing kids, and wife to my wonderful and supportive husband who supports all my wild and crazy dreams. My journey is taking grit and persistence and belief and believe me, I'm still a work in progress that you may witness in real time. Whether it's in our free burnout to all out Facebook community, or inside my mastermind, or even in my coaching programs, or maybe just right here on the podcast, I'm laughing and I'm crying with you. I've become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts, to take the leap of faith and go all out and live out their dreams. Consider me your mentor in your head and on the go. So let's get started. All right. Chances are, if you're listening to my podcast today, you are a social seller of some aspect. You're in business, you're online somehow. Do you want to find more business builders and less time to 10X your business without playing the daily Instagram and Facebook game? Are you tired of being on the hunt daily for new customers of your product to then try to bait and switch them? You know what I'm talking about, to be interested in building a business with you. I have been there. The biggest mistake I see that slows down the expansion and stability of a social seller's business is that they spend way too much time recruiting on media for consumption of their company's products and way too little time in direct conversations with like-minded professionals that would love to actually hear about the business opportunity at hand. I then see so many painstakingly trying to drag customers through the sand to catch the vision of a business model that the consumer has no interest in, wasting time and getting burnt out. Can you relate? If you know my story, you know I've been there and since cracked the code and now drive a highly profitable social selling business 100% off of LinkedIn. Imagine, finding with ease customers highly motivated for what services you have to offer to grow them, their business, or to become a business partner with you. That's what you will hear from my students who've gone through my previous LinkedIn method trainings. You don't have to look far. I am so excited for the birth of my brand new academy that has been built out based off of the success and the feedback of my previous students who've graduated from my programs. So introducing to you the LinkedIn Method Academy. In this six-month academy, you will learn to become a business recruiting master on LinkedIn to 10X your business, transform how you brand yourself as the business owner that you are, and master attraction marketing that results in prospects begging to get into your calendar to learn more about what you have to offer. The LinkedIn Method Academy is a first of its kind. It's an ick-free social sellers recruiting method dream. We take away all the spammy tactics that you've been taught on Insta and Facebook, and I teach you how to position yourself as the professional business owner that you are. I teach you how to professionally build your business brand, create an ideal network and pipeline generation that creates massive momentum, and a funnel of weekly calls with viable, motivated humans who are eager to learn more more about what you have to offer. It's high touch coaching on demand learning vault that's uniquely customized to meet you exactly where you are on your LinkedIn journey. And we have a dynamic Facebook community with ongoing live training performance labs and workshops and hot seat coaching to support your six month journey to owning LinkedIn. You also get assigned a personal concierge who will stay with you through the entire program to support you and hold you accountable. Did I mention that there'll also be polished top selling social sellers who went before you and are now mentors to share best practices and give feedback in the academy? Guys, this is unprecedented and peerless. There's nothing else out there like this. Think immersion in a community that is the utmost professional and results driven that will help raise your own bar of performance along the way. Do I have your curiosity? Come check out our free five-day LinkedIn method workshop streaming live on our Facebook page, Burnt Out to All Out. Starting October 19th, we'll be kicking off a five-day workshop completely free with tips and tricks. Now, if you're just eager to get started and enroll today, you don't want to wait. Go to our academy. Go to www.livethefreelife.co www.livethefreelife.co, enroll by October 25th, and save 20% as an early bird. Now there's limited seats. I'm doing that on purpose. I wanna keep it high vibe and high touch, all right? So what are you doing in these final months of 2020 to create your trajectory for 2021? If you're looking to 10X your lead generation for business in 2021 through a step-by-step process of proven methods, condensing time and driving results, You found the right home. I hope to see you in the Academy. Well, hey gang, hello and welcome to episode number one. Guys, I cannot believe that I'm launching this podcast. It's been something I have been dreaming about, burnout to all out for quite some time. And I just can't believe the day has actually come. I'm so excited. I'm just gonna be sharing with you guys what I've experienced, what I've learned, what I'm loving, and how it's equipped me to really design this life that I love. It wasn't always that way. And we're going to get into that with episode number one. But first of all, just whether you're tuning in on your commute home or while you're doing your housework or starting your morning off with positivity, I just want to say that I'm so grateful that you're taking time out to invest in yourself and coming along on this journey with me because it's still a journey. So there's two intentions for my first episode. I'm really going to walk you guys through who I am. That is going to be the majority of what I talk about today and then just a little bit about the intention of the podcast. I think that as you hear my journey, it'll become very clear to you what I'm most passionate about and the purpose of this podcast and why you should hit play every single week to come in for some inspiration. So who am I? You know, really to understand my journey to becoming the serial entrepreneur that is still in progress today, let's go back to where it all started. In my mid 30s, let's just jump right into the middle of it. And then I'm going to take you back to the beginning, because I think some of you can probably relate. My mid 30s, which was only a couple of years ago, on the surface looked like I had it all. It looked like I had the fancy job, the nice car, the benefits, the, the perfect two children, the perfect husband. But guys, Deep down inside as a high performing corporate professional female, my relationship with my spouse was incredibly stressed because I never saw him. And when I did, I was exhausted where I'd given everything I had to my children and I was suffering from massive insomnia, from lack of sleep, sleepless nights from guilt and stress and you name it. And honestly, I was at a place in my life where I was probably experiencing adrenal fatigue. I was just going in absolute high drive and desperate for a different way. I was desperate to find a solution to have more happiness and fulfillment in my life. And I was wondering how did I land in this place? How does it look like I have so much on the outside, but I literally feel like I'm dying on the inside, okay? So I wanted to bring you right into my pain point before I rip you all the way back to the child, Melissa Henault. And this episode, again, is going to be all about my full-on story that really, you know, I love this quote that your test is your testimony. And my testimony really set me up for the mom and the entrepreneur I am today. And so, even though there were many trials and tribulations throughout my life, I'm grateful for every single moment of every single day because it created the lessons and the human and the person that I am today and the passion and the perseverance and the goals, right? That tell the story. So every, I believe everything happens on purpose. So. Let's jump right into Melissa Henault from zero to five years old. You know, I'm going to walk you guys through the different phases of my development that tell the story. And I categorize the zero to five years as chaos and learning to adapt and not cause problems at a very young age. You see, I was one of two girls. Very early on, my mother divorced. I was four years old when she divorced my alcoholic father who was unfaithful, he was a violent human, and my mom left him. And for the right reasons, she picked up and moved away And quickly married another man who was in my life for a good 15 years who had just lost his wife to colon cancer. And he had two children of his own. So we quickly became a blended family of six. And at an early age, my sister was showing signs of mental illness that created so much stress, if you can imagine, in a blended family. And there was just a lot of disruption, a lot of uneasiness, a lot of chaos and yelling and crying. And even at an early, early age, I remember my sister and parents having to take her to visit the psychiatrist. And I learned very early that I really don't need to cause any more problems that I need to just kind of be a backdrop and let them handle this unruly older sister and just don't cause problems. And quite honestly, I don't remember a whole lot because I think that as a child, when you live through some trauma, I know for sure you naturally block out a lot of it. So that was kind of the zero to five. When I shifted into that five to 10 year old Melissa, Little girl, I really, this is where the money mindset really started to fall into play. And I think that it's really interesting that we have these thoughts and patterns that begin to develop at such a young age. And it's something I've learned as I've grown to learn more about it <laughs> as an adult. But I call it the money mindset paradigm and embarrassment and entitlement. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I, I want you to kind of hear out this environment that I grew up in. So my sister was continuing to spiral, major tension and stress in the family, lots of disappointment that I could see as a child. I could see it in my mom's face. I could see her crying about it. And my stepfather actually lost his job when I was about 10 years old. So here my mom was with this mentally ill child. Her husband had lost his job. There's a family of six and one income source, which my mom started to pick up multiple jobs to be able to afford things for us. And where this paradigm shift kind of started to happen, i lived in this house of poor mindset where my immediate household was working extremely, they, they had work ethic but they had a poor mindset and they were having to work. My mom was working three different jobs and we would grocery shop at Walmart because it was the only place that you could buy groceries with a credit card back in the day. Right. And we would eat peanut butter. I mean, we were living literally on the poverty line. Okay. Now here's the paradigm. My parents both came from very successful entrepreneurs who were millionaires in their own right back in the 70s and 80s. My grandfather, my mom's father, had built a multi-million dollar international business. And my uncle was building his own business as well, her brother. And on my father's side, my grandfather had started his own furniture. He had his own furniture company in in North Carolina. Very, very successful businessman. So although my parents were not well off. We were living right at the poverty line. There was this extravagance in my non-immediate family where when I would visit my father's side of the family or my mother's extended side of the family, I would be getting money and gifts and, you know, nice things. And then I would come home to these step-siblings Who didn't get any of that. And if you can imagine the pressure of a five to 10 year old on having to bottle that up and internalize that and realize the tension and kind of the hate that was beginning to develop between the siblings. You know, I would come home with fancy, my grandmother always bought us fancy Easter dresses, would give us exorbitant amounts of money for Christmas. Yet we were living off of credit cards and peanut butter from Walmart, right? So it was a very uneasy environment to be in at my age, knowing I couldn't fully be myself and I couldn't come home and be excited about the things that I got, that I had to learn to internalize it and know that my siblings weren't getting the same, right? So that's kind of the paradigm I was living in. And I think that that's where the the money mindset really started, the poverty mindset and the guilt and the shame around money really started to happen, right? The kind of the ages of 10 to 13, as I started to transition into becoming a teenager, again, I began to really, really began to realize that I needed to stay silent and and make them proud and be a pleaser, right? And this was kind of the pleaser stage for me because I saw there was... So much strife and disappointment with my sister to this day. I can't even imagine. My mother actually gave my sister up to the state when she was 16 years old. I could still like literally cry about it. So at the age of 12, for all intents and purposes, lost the only blood sibling I had in my life. She was given to the government and that was that, right? All the screaming and the chaos and the fighting stopped in the house at that point, but The tears and the depression and the the sadness I saw in my mom continued, right? I can't even imagine. So as a very young child, I started to, or at, at this age, I began to realize that if I make really good grades and I'm really good at sports, like I know that makes my mom smile. I know it makes her happy. And it's a way that I get attention and get loved, right? Because Thinking up as a child through all that chaos, there was so much negative attention to the child who was being so unruly and had a lot of problems that the other children in the house were really just kind of a backdrop. So I began to learn At a young age, to be a star athlete, to get attention, get praise, be loved, make good grades, and don't cause problems, right? Now, at the age of 13, my parents ended up divorced because my mom was carrying three jobs while my stepfather didn't work for 3 years and i think that my mom i don't i don't want to judge for her but i think that she was at her wits end of carrying the load for everyone and i got yanked out of this environment with this family and we moved we moved to my grandmother's house and from the age of 13 to 18 i would say i experienced a major identity crisis because here I was moving from a very poverty and area. By the way, there was only two bathrooms in the bathrooms in the house that I was in before my parents got divorced. And one of the bathrooms, the floor was rotting and the floor fell out. We had one operating bathroom and a bathroom that had a rotted floor. Okay. Now I want you to envision being the age of 13, leaving that environment, leaving everything you've ever known as your patched together family and moving into the wealthiest neighborhood in the state of North Carolina. When I say wealthy, I mean, there was a landing strip for people's personal airplanes, right? We're talking big money. This is where the imposter syndrome and the identity crisis really began to happen for me though, because I knew that the only reason we were there was because my mom couldn't afford to live on her own right? I knew that we were there because we were broke and she couldn't pay her own rent. So here I was living in the wealthiest neighborhood, going to the nicest school in the area. And I was continuing to carry this guilt and imposter syndrome of being in the wrong place and being afraid, really, that I was going to be found out, that I wasn't worthy and wasn't supposed to be there. So I knew my own dirty little secret was these weekend visits to my stepfather's house because he was a huge part of my family. He had raised me to stay in a house with a rotting floor. And then I'd spend my days during the week in a neighborhood with a landing strip. So Major identity crisis, but what my outlet was, what I learned that I could control was completely within my own control was again, my academics and my sports. I knew that I could focus positive energy on these things, get a great return, have control over it and get praise. And that began my grit and perseverance from a young age to learn As much as I could and perform at a high level. And I graduated top of my class and headed off to college with this confused teenage background of the haves and the have not lifestyle where I knew that there was an entrepreneurial opportunity. I'd seen that there was a way to make a lot of money and to be successful, but I grew up seeing poverty. And that really catapulted me onto this path of wanting to make sure without a shadow of a doubt that I was going to crush it financially and never have to depend on a single person ever, ever, ever. Right. You think about kind of that broken background with my father and the broken background and broke background with my parents financially. And I wanted to be in control and I was qualifying myself and my success with my grades and my performance. So I headed off to college for the next 18, you know, from 18 to 27, I would say for the next 10 years, I began my education path and I call the minion mentality Begins, Okay, some of you guys can associate with this, where I was taking one step in front of the other, whether it was taking tests robotically or checking the boxes in work for doing what I was told to do in order to be successful, to have the next title, to have the better grade, to graduate top of the class because that is how I qualified myself and my success. It's how it made me feel good about myself right? So I got my undergraduate degree and I, you know, studied harder than most. I could outstudy anyone. To this day, I think I have some borderline dyslexia. I still get numbers <laughs> backwards, but it made me gritty. I read slower than others, but it doesn't slow me down, right? It just creates more perseverance because again, it's how I qualified myself to be successful. So One of the things I want to underscore here is that as I moved through undergrad and then headed into pharmacy school, yes, headed off to pharmacy school to get my doctorate, by the time I got into pharmacy school, my ego, my external consciousness was pretty high. I was starting to feel really good about myself on the outside for everything that I was achieving, for my success, and I was getting accolades from those around me For that, Right. But the subconscious, that little girl, that five to 10 year old girl was still struggling with self-worth, with money, right? Constantly concerned the money I was making was going to be taken away, that it wasn't mine because I'd seen so much distress growing up. I worked three jobs while I was in college. I was a waitress. I was a nanny and a babysitter and I was a tutor. I hustled. I was born With hustle, right? I headed off to pharmacy school and I did the exact same thing. I didn't just go to school for a doctorate, I also went to school for a master's and did them both at the same time to get that master's in clinical research and work on that doctorate to get my doctorate in pharmacy. And I will tell you that again, ego, high consciousness, high self worth, my subconscious, low self worth, fear money fears, right? Imposter fear that I was still going to be found out that it was all going to be taken away. So now I shift to graduating from pharmacy school and heading off to the corporate world. Guys, I was hired right out of pharmacy school into corporate America, where I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to be a CEO one day. Remember, I told you I my ego was up there, right? My conscious self-worth was really high. So I had all this self-confidence in my knowledge and I was just really ready to just climb Mount Everest. And so guess what? That's exactly what I did. I climbed Mount Everest in pharma as fast and as furious as I possibly could. And in five years, I'd outworked and outperformed everyone around me. There might've been dead bodies all around, but I got there. And I looked around and literally all the leaders I was working with were like half my age. I'd climbed Mount Everest, right? And I was experiencing some of the best leadership training in the world. I'd been selected for the growth and development program for first-line leaders and second-line leaders, my pharmaceutical company. And one of the things that they had us do is write a personal statement. And this was right before I say I hit rock bottom, right? Where I was at the highest of highs, but also hit rock bottom. And we'll talk about that in a minute while I was on the pinnacle of Mount Everest. And the mission statement that I wrote, and I want to read this out loud because it gives me chills now. So this was before, this was while I was in corporate America. In my personal development as a leader, I wrote my mission statement that I wanted to be an exceptional mother and wife and leader who leads by way of example and establishing a healthy, well-balanced life where I believe in what I do on a daily basis. Okay, I wrote this out at the pre-kid's right before my first child was born and I was on the highest of highs at the top of Mount Everest pursuing my career. Right. And what I didn't realize in my early thirties is what I wasn't thinking about the cost quotient on quality of life, or impact on a family dynamic because I hadn't gotten there yet. All I knew was that it felt really good to have a high title and be making lots of money because I felt like I was in control. Even though underneath all of it, I was fearful that I would be found out, that I wasn't truly worthy of it, and that it would ultimately be taken away from me. Right. And that all comes from this childhood baggage that we all of us have some level of, right? I was just continuing to rise the ranks. I call it the corporate shuffle. How many of you have experienced that corporate shuffle where you begin to lose yourself and your identity? And I began to let the corporation tell me what I was worth. I began to let the corporation tell me, there's where your career needs to go next. Here's where you need to be promoted to. This is what we need you for, right? I didn't have boundaries for myself. Now, Let's fast forward to the birth of my first two children because we had them back to back, right? I became a mom at 32 and my world was rocked. And thank goodness for incredible mentorship. This is where I first really began to find the value in an incredible mentor. So, you know, bearing children and being in a masculine corporate space is by far to this day, the hardest thing I have ever done is to be in leadership with a number of men and have brand new babies at home. My first day back from maternity leave was a flight to Dallas. And I cried myself all the way there. And I traveled so much when my children were young that I got to the point where I didn't, this sounds really harsh, but I think that some of my traveling moms out there can relate and it brings tears to my eyes to really think about it now. But I traveled so much that I started to become numb to even knowing what I was missing. I didn't know. I didn't know. And we'll visit revisit that in a little bit. I became numb to saying goodbye. And it got to the point where my career in corporate America was way easier than raising my children. And it was because I was so far distant from them and so focused on my career that it was harder to discipline them. It was harder to figure out how to manage them, you know, toddlers in diapers. It was easier. I can honestly say it was easier to be at work, right? So by and large, as time went on, I realized that I'm missing the first steps with my children. I'm missing their first words, and I don't even know what's going on in my husband's life. We don't even have five minutes to talk together. We don't, we're, we're just losing the relationship. It's like a business contract. We're not even like, it doesn't even feel like we're in, like in love anymore because it's like an operation at the house. And I'm sure some of you guys can relate. So the next promotion came up and I was terrified to say yes. And I was terrified To say no, because I was spread so thin in my personal life that I was afraid that one more yes to the corporation was gonna break what I had at home, break my relationship with my children, break my relationship with my spouse. I knew there was no way I could continue this way. But I was afraid if I said no, that the offer wouldn't come back to me, that I would be judged. That I didn't really want it right when in reality, all I wanted was balance. I wanted to be that exceptional mother, wife, and leader. I wanted to live out my mission, I wanted to believe in what I was doing on a daily basis and have a balanced life. But that is not what I was living, it's not what I was living. And so, with phenomenal coaching from a phenomenal mentor, he told me, He said, Melissa. You are an incredible leader who provides so much value for this corporation. You need to begin setting your boundaries for your family and what's going to keep the household happy and healthy and opportunities will continue to come your way. But if you don't take control now, they will take control of you and you will live out their future for you instead of your future for you. And that hit me square between the eyes and it was the first real step in realization of taking control. Taking control and ownership of my career and not being that minion mentality and living in the corporate shuffle. So I said, no, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity But this doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve my family. And that was the first step in empowerment as a woman, high performer with small children and being okay with saying no, right? So that was the first step. Now, let's talk about, that was the first step in progress. Now let's move into that 33 To 37 year old budding entrepreneur who started to become more willing to take control of my destiny. Because you guys see, up to that point, that pinnacle point where that next promotion came to me, I was standing on the top of Mount Everest and I looked around and realized I had climbed this massive mountain with massive responsibility. And it turned out it wasn't actually the mountain I wanted to be on. I wanted to be running something I was passionate about. I wanted to be providing significantly for my family. But I also wanted to be balanced and living out my best life and having time to know my neighbors and having time to spend time with my kids. And I was not doing that. Right? So shifting to that budding entrepreneur who willingly started to take the blinders off. Let's talk about that. It actually all started with a startup within the large corporation I was a part of. We started up a brand new division that I got to be a part of, and it was the wild, wild west. We were creating new protocols, writing out job descriptions. We were having dynamic conversations that we'd never had with customers before and having to react real time to design solutions for our customers. And I'll never forget being so lit up for the first time ever. And my husband would say at dinner, you are grinning from ear to ear. I don't know what is going on. At work, but keep doing it. This was a realization, and I look back now that this was like being in a startup. It was almost like being an entrepreneur because we were in a brand new space where I was able to create, I was able to problem solve. There weren't so many rules and restrictions and boxes that needed to be checked, but I realized that I was thriving in this uncertain space. While many around me were floundering because they didn't like obscurities, they didn't like the vagueness of the, the position and the, the job, whereas I was loving it, right? So this was my first taste of like, man, creating things is really fun. Providing solutions for people and making their business better is really fun, right? So that was eye-opening for me. The next thing that happened was where the rug got ripped out from under me. See, that startup business I was in within my organization, big corporate, the funding got yanked because it was a very expensive business with very high-paid professionals, and the company was going through a huge financial strength because of major lawsuits that they were in with the federal government. So the first thing to go was this brand new startup, you know, high investment organization. And that was a very, very critical moment in my life. Because you see this corporation that had raised me from college student to leading professional in a Fortune 500, I was having to make a decision. Was I going to stay or was I going to go? And the reason I say that is because the startup that I was in, they weren't abolishing it completely. But what they were going to do is take 12 directors down to two and 75 direct reports down to about 25. And what that meant for me as a leader was that if I stayed with the business that I was loving, I was gonna acquire a massive geography that went from Maine to Florida, right? I was on a high because I was loving what I was doing, but I knew that I knew from that past conversation with my mentor, if I stay 100% for myself and personal development for this job that I love, My family is going to get zero of me because I am about to step into something that's going to require so much airplane time. They're never going to see me. I was terrified, guys. I also felt the constraints of being financially successful, but not being financially free. What was I going to do? I had this massive paycheck, right? And this company that had raised me, but now they're telling me if I want to keep that paycheck. I've got to compensate my family life for the foreseeable future. And it was scary and I was fearful and I was terrified, but you know what I did? I stayed grounded in what was important to my family and grounded to what that mentor said to me. You are amazing, Melissa. You will provide significant value to anyone that you work for. Your value is so high. Don't let corporations or other people steer your future. You steer your future. So guess what I did? I opted out of the position with complete faith that I could find something else that was going to work better for my family and I. In that moment, when I was willing to walk away from the corporation that raised me, to start something fresh, start something new that was in better alignment for my family. Guys, I'm here to tell you it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done, but it was also the first step in truly trusting myself and my ability to provide for my family and be in charge in charge of my destiny. And that set me off on a trajectory of a series of decisions, one decision after the next, one risk after the next, to bring me to where I am today. We're gonna talk about that for a couple of minutes, but that moment was a rebirth. It was a rebirth for me because some of you may have experienced this before. The moment I left that company, I realized my intellectual capital, how much it was worth. The next company that picked me up, offered me 40% more income. I had a much smaller territory with way less travel. And what I realized was that I am in charge of my own destiny, that I am in charge of this game. I hold the pen to write the next chapter in my life, each series of chapters I hold the pen, not the corporation. And sometimes you have to fall to know exactly where you stand. You see, it took me hitting rock bottom and feeling as though it was the worst of times to actually stand up, pull myself up by my bootstraps, and know and realize where I stand, what my priorities are, and move forward. And that's exactly what I did now. Concurrently with this going on in the background, I was introduced to a nutrition and wellness company because I honestly, when I reflect on it, I think I was probably experiencing some adrenal fatigue from literally working in massive overdrive as an overachiever, juggling two little kids in diapers. And I locked arms with this network marketing company, 100% for nutrition to begin with. But because I had just been through such a massive transformation and mindset shift, leaving one corporation, going to another and realizing that as long as my only stream of income was coming from a corporation, they would ultimately at some level always own me unless I was doing something to create freedom for myself herein lies network marketing. I'm not going to get into the depths of it right now. That'll be for another podcast, but it was the perfect introduction to entrepreneurship and dipping my toe at low risk. I locked arms with the company while I was still working full-time and I started building something that was mine on the side. On the side of my nine to five, I grew and scaled another business, an online business, while operating as a leader in corporate America. You see, I was tired of having financial success, but no financial freedom. And so I started building with tenacity, doing all the work that needed to be done to create and grow and scale another business while working full time. And in less than two years, I created a six-figure side hustle, a six-figure residual income alongside my nine to five. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I was fully, fully in control of my finances. Now, mind you, the year or so before I had left the corporation that raised me and that set the confidence And it set the open-mindedness, open-mindedness to take a look at something else, to see things a little bit differently. And I honestly think had I not gone through that reorganization, had I not left that corporation, that set me off on a cascade and series of decisions that created more and more open-mindedness, more and more leaps of faith, more and more posture. I don't know. I just don't know whether I would have been open to this opportunity or not, but because of the timing and because of the situation I was, and I ran with it and I ran hard. And when I looked back and realized that I had created this six figure business for myself outside my nine to five, I started to question, do I really need the nine to five, right? I will tell you today that I held on to my corporate job along with my six figure business in network marketing for over a year because I was still so risk adverse and my ego is in the way. So let me unpackage that for a minute. Ego in the way, in the sense that I had spent, you guys heard my story, eight to nine years on an education that was my identity. I had built everything around my education and my titles. For so many years, I had identified myself and my success by my titles and my paycheck. That is not something you can change overnight. You just can't, right? Now, that was the ego, the risk-adverseness. In corporate America, this is funny in hindsight, but I thought it was a safe, I'm doing air quotes here, safe place to be. Because so many around me judged network marketing and thought, it's so risky, you know, how do you feel secure, it's so unstable, But the people who were judging didn't see my business center, and they didn't see that over a series of of years within corporate of consolidations, downsizings, people that I had to lay off, they didn't see all the turmoil in the background of corporate America while seeing the growth weekly month over month over month of my income and network marketing that continued to multiply, continued to grow did nothing but stay stable for me. Right. And so for a year plus I grappled with ego and risk aversion, right? And it really took me hiring a life coach To help me rediscover a new blank canvas. Because all that conditioning, all that mindset came all the way back to that little girl. You guys, you know, that identity. I had spent so much time building myself up to that identity. But here I was killing myself in my nine to five, knowing that freedom was literally on the other side. All I had to say was goodbye to my nine to five and become the lifestyle entrepreneur that I was destined to be, because that's where I was lighting up. That's where I was having fun. That's where I was 100% in control. My corporate life was sucking the life out of me. I didn't enjoy it anymore. I didn't. And it was my ego that was in the way. So I hired the life coach. She gave me the permission. You guys are going to hear me talk about coaches and life coaches. <laughs> probably indefinitely on these podcasts because they're so transformative. She gave me that permission for that blank canvas and what my future would look like to detach myself from that corporate identity and ask myself, what is your mission? What do you want to do? And guys, I hope this gives you chill bumps, but I didn't realize in that moment But when I went back to clean out my desk from corporate America, as I ultimately fired my boss and came home to be an online social seller, I found my personal mission. Remember that personal mission I read earlier that said that I wanted to be an exceptional mother, wife, and a leader who leads by way of example in establishing a healthy, well-balanced life where I believe in what I do on a daily basis. Do you guys remember that? It hit me square in the eyes when I finally had the confidence to fire my boss, which by the way, he thought I was crazy. I was on maternity leave with my third child. I finally had that third baby and decided I was not going back. And I had the financial freedom and security and time freedom. And he told me, Melissa, unless you're just independently wealthy, I think you should come back to work, and look for a different job if this isn't working for you. I have never felt more empowered in my life to say, Well, I guess that's where you and I are different. I don't need this. My family doesn't need this. And I'm done. And it was such a different conversation, an empowering conversation. Compared to that first conversation, I'll take you back to a couple of years previous when the consolidation happened, remember? And I was terrified and I was put into a corner and told that if I wanted to stay, this is what I was going to have to do. And I felt suffocated because it was my only source of income. Okay. So what happened next? I breathed through fear. I learned to trust myself. I found that mission statement that reminded me what was pumping through my veins and what I was so passionate about and landed on that. I wanted to show other professionals. There is a way there is a way to live that balanced life. There is a way to be healthy and love and live what you do on a daily basis and be present. And guys, that brings me into that kind of retirement from corporate and reset button space where I fired my boss and I redefined who I was. And I am here to tell you it took me over a year and I'm still a work in progress, but what did I do when I left corporate America? I get that question a lot. I will tell you I soaked in motherhood for the first year with that new baby. And I volunteered way too much at the school. Realized that being a stay at home mom was definitely not my thing, that I wanted to contribute and I wanted to grow and scale something big, but I wanted to be in control of it. I wanted financial freedom, but I wanted to be in control of it. I wanted to be present in my children's lives. Don't get me wrong, but I wanted to be a work from home mom, not a stay at home mom. I wanted to be that balanced individual that truly could showcase to others that you can have it all and do it all. So, that's the mission I went on. And I will tell you guys, I this is just being raw and honest, when I left for my very first event in my network marketing company, I had been home with my children for 6 solid months. Home. My life looked so different. So different than it did in corporate. And I had lived more life with my children and my husband in those six months than I literally did the last five years. Like literally, like just living life with them, living it up, having fun, taking vacations. And when I left for that first event, I bawled, I bawled. And I really, I cried for two reasons. The first reason I bawled, and to this day I tear up about it, is I began to realize how much I was going to miss them while I was gone and how I hadn't had that same emotion three or four years previous when I would leave for work because I was so numb to not seeing them that it didn't hurt as much, but I also realized in that moment that the reason I was so sad and I was missing them was because I'd gotten so used to being around them and that I was loving my time with them and it hurt not to be around them, which was the complete opposite of my experience when I was numb to not being a present parent. And I am not knocking on parents who have to travel all the time. I am speaking my own truth. I bawled thinking about how much I missed in those first couple of years that I got with that third child. Bawled, right? Now, here's the thing. I don't live in regret, Everything happens on purpose. My experiences in corporate America made me the successful entrepreneur I am today, gave me the skill sets to create a life by my design. I'm not knocking it. I'm just sharing with you guys where I was. There was also tons of tears of gratitude and happiness that still happen to this day. There's not a week that doesn't go by that I don't cry from abundance. And happiness. Now that's not to say there's downs in the entrepreneur's life. We'll get into that in multiple episodes. But in this past, these past two years, I have cried more tears of joy than I have in the past 10 before I came home. So I came out of the fog of living in and soaking in Being home, working part-time with a business that was making full-time pay, and I came out of that fog with the baby growing out of infancy and into toddlerhood and realized I want to make a bigger impact. I love the business I'm running. But I've got a vision for something bigger. I can make a bigger impact here. And I want to legitimize this industry I'm in that has changed my life. And I want to teach and coach people on how to actually get into social selling from a professional standpoint, use a professional platform, and teach them proven methods on how to do it. So what happened next? Well, that brings us to the 40 and beyond where we are today. See, I told you guys that when I left corporate America, it was this huge shift in being willing to take risks and try new things. It was such a hard step to take to breathe through fear and trust yourself. But because of those series of leaps and jumps, this year, I decided to launch my own coaching business to have a broader reach for people outside of my network marketing company, people outside of network marketing, really to be able to coach and train people who are in any aspect of social selling wanting to build a business for themselves online. And I launched a business that, get this, I'm not telling you this to brag, I'm telling you this to excite you for what happens when you trust yourself and you take action. I launched a coaching business in January and it hit six figures in sales in eight months. Mind you, we are in the middle of COVID for nearly 90% of this launch of this new coaching business. My kids have been home with me and I've made it happen. Okay. And so the only thing that holds us back from our own success is our self-limiting beliefs that result in inaction. It's the words between our ears that tell us the stories that come out of our mouth and either result in action or no action. See the story I told myself in January was I'm 40 this year. This is going to be the most profound biggest year by far. And I'm going to have a blast doing it impacting as many lives as possible. And I said it out loud daily in the mirror, to myself, which results in action. Now, operating multiple businesses, I've got a private coaching business, I've got an online group coaching business, and of course, I still have my network marketing business that I, my team that I adore and love. I'm operating three different businesses, three different streams of income, working less hours than I ever have And truly living out my life's mission, which is to have that balanced life and love what I do every day and be that example to others, right? So with each leap of uncomfortable growth, I have gained more skills, right? To go the next level. And that is brings me to my podcast, That brings me to the next leap of faith, which is even broader than my coaching services. It's an opportunity to get in the ear of as many budding entrepreneurs as I possibly can to inspire you to live all out, to inspire you to start your dream, to forge forward with your dream. And to really on a weekly basis, I'm going to be giving you my tips and tricks and hacks that I've applied to help you condense time to become an online entrepreneur and just save you the heartache because I've been through it. I'm invested in two masterminds right now with amazing women and amazing coaches I'm obsessed with professional development, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited to pave it forward for my audience and host this podcast weekly, bringing in guests who are going to bring tremendous value to you through sharing their own burnout to all out story with you, their leaps of faith and entrepreneurship and their tips and tricks to bring value to you, to inspire you to live out your best life. As the personal mission that I wrote nearly seven or eight years ago, I am now excited to be living it out and recording it live in my podcast. I'm excited to bring this to you guys. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's live the free Life.